Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 155 of the Speaking Club podcast. Here's something to ponder on, appropriate to this episode, from Maya Angelou. You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey, nice to be here with you again. I hope you're okay. It's a funny old time, isn't it? As hard as it is, though, arising from this historical experience we're living through will be some amazing, life-changing stories. Although, I think one of the Netflix producers might have misjudged the mood and timing just a little bit. Because as I was flicking through what was on offer the other week, I noticed a film about COVID-23. And the premise was that people had spent three years in lockdown. Judging by the low number of stars, I wasn't the only person thinking, as if I want more of that. I just went to try and find the title to tell you the name of it, so you don't watch it. But it looks like they've seen Sense and pulled it anyway. So there you go. That was a bit of a storytelling cock-up for Netflix. And funnily enough, avoiding storytelling cock-ups is what this show is all about. So as you probably know, whether it's books, film, television or newspapers or the internet, it's true that those who tell the stories have enormous power to influence. And I believe in today's digital world, great stories are also the secret to standing out, making people care and selling your message, product, idea, service or change. And as a comedian, writer, speaker and performer, not to mention years as an HR professional relying on influence over power, stories have been the golden thread running through my life. And over the past 30 plus years, I've researched, studied, practiced, written and performed stories. And I've had successes alongside failures as well. And each experience, though, has taught me something valuable, including there's always more to learn. And I wanted to share some of those lessons with you so that you can wield this magical communication tool more powerfully. And besides this show and the others I've done on storytelling, I can also help you become a better storyteller through my free Snackable Story Challenge. But then I would say that. So here's a review from Pauline Gamlin who did the last one. Totally can recommend Sarah and her five days snackable storytelling workshop. Sarah is so generous with her knowledge on this free workshop. I hate public speaking, have no confidence. And in just five days, I produced a video. I learned so much. Can't thank Sarah enough. It was brilliant. Now, the next challenge starts very, very soon, and I'd love to have you get results too. So if you want to join us, you can grab your space at saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge. 
Without further ado, though, here are my seven storytelling sins for you to avoid. Number one, this is not going to be a surprise. It's failing to grab attention at the start. And this shouldn't be news to you because if you're a regular listener, I bang on about this all the time. Why? Because it's so critical in everything you do where you're trying to reach and connect with an audience, whether that's in spoken, written or visual form. Because if you don't get them to stop and lean in, your message is doomed. Doomed, I say. This is where what I call lightning bolts come in. These are to shock, provoke and poke your audience and they should tap into our biggest psychological levers of fear, curiosity and desire. So the question for you to consider for the subject of this episode is how can I start my story in such a way that taps into those levers and makes my target audience stop and go, wait, what? Now, if you want more detail around getting attention and lightning bolts, then have a listen to episode 65 and episode 137. But these aren't the only ones. And as you go through the back catalogue of speaking club shows, which you should do if you're a new listener to the podcast, you'll see it's a golden thread running through a number of them. Okay, storytelling sin number two is telling, not immersing. You might have heard the phrase, show, don't tell. But I want you to take it further than that. I want you to get your audience to feel that they are in the story too. And if you can tell your story the right way, they'll either be connecting with memories of when they experienced or witnessed something similar or using their imagination to experience it. And this is about painting a picture with vulnerability and some specific details about what you saw, heard, thought and felt. It's also about using metaphors and analogies to bring it alive and make it relatable and concrete for your audience. Here's a couple of examples which will hopefully illustrate the difference between telling and immersing. Here's the telling one. I was 17 and showing off when I dove into the shallow end of a swimming pool and lost a tooth. Okay, example number two. Picture this. I'm 17, on holiday and strutting at the side of the pool in the strong Dallas sunshine, desperate to show off my new long hair and hard-won slimmer body to the teenage boys around the edge. I linger until I judge enough eyes are on me and then I launch. As I enter the water, I am shocked to see the pool bottom millimetres away from my face. I pull up but not before my front teeth scrape along the floor like chalk on a ball. And as I surface screaming, I realise three things. I dove into the shallow end. My front tooth is gone and I should have been more concerned with paying attention than getting it. And today, my false front tooth 
acts as a constant reminder to look before I leap. Did you cringe a little bit there? Chalk on a board? Yeah, I can have flashbacks to that moment all the time. And that's exactly what it felt like at the bottom of that pool. Hopefully you noticed the difference there in terms of your experience of the same story. One was more factual. The other, I hope, was more immersive for you. So opening up and sharing those few powerful details to set the scene and express your emotion is the way to engage and connect with your audience. Right, sin number three. This is not having a narrative arc. Okay, in the simplest terms, what I mean by that is not having a start, middle and end. You set the scene and that tells us a bit about the central character of the story and what they want. Then something happens in relation to that goal and then there's an outcome which brings it all to a close. And this doesn't mean, though, that it needs to be long and involved. In fact, you can tell a story in a sentence. Don't believe me? Here's an example. Before Brian found storytelling, his business was failing. Now he's living it large. And going back to my encounter with the shallow end of the swimming pool, you can see there was a clear start. I was strutting around the pool, showing off, waiting to get attention before I dived in. Middle, I dove into the shallow end, scraped my face. Conclusion, I lost a tooth and learnt a lesson. A story without that structure is unsatisfying for an audience. And yes, there are a few exceptions. Some art house movies maybe you've seen, but IMHO, they are few and far between. Okay, number four. Missing out the conflict. You see, great storytellers create emotion, excitement and tension. And the conflict is where all of this comes from. As I've mentioned previously, Alfred Hitchcock said, the more successful the villain, the more successful the movie. And it's important though to say that not all villains generating conflict are external to us. Often the biggest ones will be related to the flaw or belief that we or the character has. Think back to the film Brokeback Mountain, where the conflict arises from a belief about whether it's okay for two men to fall in love. Or Hamlet, where the conflict arises from his fatal flaw of indecision. And in a speaking or business context, the conflict could be resistance to change or teams not working together. Or COVID, that's definitely going to be a villain at some point and in many stories when this all unfolds. And in my story example, the conflict comes from my caring more about whether I was the centre of attention than what end of the pool I was diving into. However, I must just say that in my defence, it was a pool in someone's backyard where it wasn't as obvious which end was shallow as it would have been in a public pool. It was still stupid, nevertheless, I accept that. But I'm just saying, it wasn't as obvious. Cool. Closely linked to conflict is sin number five, which is failing to make the stakes high enough. 
Now, you know those old black and white films where the villain ties the beautiful young woman to the train tracks? In this situation, we're at the edge of our seat because we're wondering if the hero will be able to get to the girl and rescue her before she gets run over by the train. But I want you to imagine this. In that scene, if the girl was tied to the tracks and the camera pulled back to reveal a sign next to the track which said, disused line, suddenly she's just a girl tied to a train track with no imminent threat and we don't care as much and the tension reduces significantly. When I'm telling my story, the audience believes that the stakes are linked to what happens when I dive in. Will I do it gracefully or will I belly flop in front of those teenage boys and make a complete prat of myself? But if I was actually making a short film of that same story, I would up the stakes and cut to a couple of the teenage boys looking over at me by the side of the pool with one of them saying, doesn't she realise that that's the shallow end? but with an American accent because it was in Dallas. Anyway, now the audience would be even more interested because they now know there's an imminent threat. And even in that one-sentence story about Brian I just shared, I made the stakes high. Brian's business was failing. Even though you didn't have long to wait for the resolution, it's a bit more interesting than me just saying Brian's sales were slow. If the stakes aren't high enough, the audience won't care enough. Right, next sin is failing to show a transformation. Now, you should know if you're a regular listener to this show that in your talk, you've got to take people on a journey. But in your stories as well, you've got to take your audience on a journey through the journey the hero goes on, whether that's you or someone else. And this is the key to getting your audience to buy in to whatever you're selling through your story, whether that's a product, service, idea or change. And there's science behind this too, because there's these things called mirror neurons in our brain. And through a great story, our brain activity matches that of the hero. And as they experience change, we end up being affected by it too. But as you'll know, If you've listened to other storytelling episodes, which I think are five, seven and nine, um, or you're familiar with Joseph Campbell or Michael Haig's work, in actual fact, there should be two journeys going on for your hero, the external one and the internal one. And in the external one, the hero has to deal with the villain or stop the catastrophe or rescue her son. And the internal one, which is where the internal flaw is overcome, the hero also gets transformed. You may have heard that in Hollywood, to evaluate how good a script is, they look at the first page and the last page. And if there isn't a discernible internal transformation, then the script gets thrown in the bin. Okay, so let's go back to my story and look at the two journeys there. Okay, so I was seeking attention and I certainly got the attention I was seeking, but for the wrong reasons which led to a realisation that showing off had not only made me look like an idiot, but I was lucky I hadn't done serious damage to myself. 
And I still think about that to to this day. You know, I could have broken my neck or whatever. Anyway, the lesson I learned was that I needed to pay attention more than seeking attention. And talking of paying attention, the seventh sin of storytelling that I want to share with you is failing to pay attention to your audience. And this is all about considering your story from their perspective. Because you've got to step into your audience's shoes and look at things that might come up for them. And I've talked about this before. And you've got to then tie up any loose ends. Share a fact that raises a question, you've got to answer that question. Unless you're intentionally leaving a gap. And I think I've talked about this before because I think it's such a great example of a TV show getting this particular thing wrong. So I watched a series last year called Dead Fell Water and it was about a family that died in a house fire, everyone except for the father. And when they were considering the father as a suspect, they said he had enormous debts, which would have been a motive to set the fire for him to get the insurance money. The trouble was this guy was a doctor His wife was a teacher and they lived in this massive house in a really teeny tiny village in Scotland. And on the surface, you couldn't see what would have caused him to have these debts. And they never explained it any further. And for me, it undermined the plot and it was incredibly distracting because I was sitting there wondering about that rather than paying attention to what was going on. And they lost me and my partner for a good few minutes as we discussed how the doctor um, had a good salary and his wife worked and they lived in this village and so there was nowhere to spend money and so on. So the bottom line is consider what information you need to put in and accept where you're deliberately creating intrigue and gaps. You need to satisfy any questions that might arise. Remember, it's your story, but for your audience. There we go. That is the seven deadly sins. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is cover them in your takeaways, but switching it around to the positive. So to make your stories work, you need to, number one, grab attention from the start using lightning bolts. Number two, describe what you saw, heard, thought and felt with a few specific details, metaphors and analogies to share the experience like a picture, like a movie. Number three, have a clear narrative arc. And that's a posh term for start, middle and end. Number four, make sure you include the struggle and conflict in some form. Number five, share what was at stake so that the audience cares. Number six, take your hero and the audience on a journey of transformation. And number seven, Consider your story from the audience's perspective and answer any question that comes up, unless you're leaving that intentional gap to keep them leaning in. Well, that's it for this show. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you want to learn more about storytelling and get training and live coaching with me, my next snackable story challenge, which is completely free, is starting very, very soon. Go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge to grab your spot. Have a smashing week. And don't forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye bye. If you want to be more memorable and engaging when you talk, 
then you need to share more stories. Stories can help you better connect with your audience and their problems and get them leaning in more powerfully than anything else. And short, snackable stories are great to use in pitches, Facebook Lives, podcasts, videos, keynotes, webinars, blogs, in fact, everywhere to share your message and grow your business. The trouble is that finding your snackable stories and confidently sharing them can feel like a struggle. And that struggle can slow you down or stop you in your tracks. But that's where my free snackable story challenge comes in. Over the course of just five days, I'm going to give you resources, training and coaching to help you find your authentic personal stories to share and build your skills and confidence in sharing them. Not only that, but the challenge will guide you towards a tangible result at the end and assets for you to use going forward. The next challenge is starting soon. So to grab your space, go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge right now.